welcome to the latest www.ianalbanetti.com podcast. In this podcast, we're going to discuss the most important part of practical karate training. Hello everybody, and uh, as you've just heard, this month we're going to discuss uh, what I feel is the most important part of practical karate training. And before we get into that, I'd just like to thank everybody for uh, the continued support of these podcasts. Um, I'm really happy with the feedback that we're getting on them and the number of people who are listening to them. That's uh, that's great. So uh, thanks once again to everybody for uh, for supporting them in the way that you have and for um, enthusiastically spreading the word about them too. Um, it's really great of you to do that. And uh, obviously, if you keep enjoying them, then uh, we'll keep on making them. So, uh, yeah, thanks very much. So um, without further ado, I'll shut up and we'll get into the main body of this month's podcast. So uh, thanks once again, and um, I'll hand you over to me. <laughs> Bye now. In recent years, karate has come in for quite a bit of criticism with regards to its potential to be an effective and realistic system for self-protection. And whilst I love the art of karate, I have to be honest and say that many of these criticisms are not without foundation. It's true that punching air all the time doesn't develop a powerful punch. It's also true that the way the majority of karate spar is totally unrealistic. Um, and it's true that uh, many karate are at a complete loss at close range, which is where most real fights are decided. Now, if it's not the fault of the art of itself, it's it's more to do in the way in which the art is now uh, is now practiced. So, whereas karate was originally developed for um, civilian self-protection, today there are many other facets to the art. Uh, many people now practice karate as a means of achieving physical fitness, or as a competitive sport, a recreational activity, uh, even a philosophical endeavour. And whilst uh, every one of these aspects is valuable and worthwhile. Uh, many of the training methods and philosophies associated with these aspects uh, run contrary to what is required for effective self-protection. Now, this becomes a significant problem when instructors and students fail to differentiate between the competitive and the combative, the philosophical and the practical, and the recreational and the realistic. Uh, this can result in ineffective and irrelevant training methods being inadvertently passed off as techniques and strategies for use in live situations. It's important to understand that there's nothing wrong with the art of karate in itself. It's just that some people inadvertently use the wrong methods in the wrong environment. Uh, for example, pass off karate's modern techniques as the original self-protection techniques. Uh, when people practice and promote these inappropriate methods, the reputation of the art obviously suffers. Despite the common view of karate, karate is an effective and pragmatic system when properly understood and practiced. Uh, we need to understand the nature of live situations and how they frequently differ from the common perception and the associated training methods. Armed with a knowledge of where modern karate is often lacking, we are then in a good position to study how karate actually addresses these aspects when correctly understood and practiced. Now, Many martial artists tend to think of self-protection only in terms of physical techniques for use in combat, and nothing could be further from the truth. To, to effectively protect ourselves, we need to be trained so that we are aware of any potential threat and, able, and are able to correctly evaluate such threats and then act to avoid them. 
Threat awareness is not something covered in many karate dojos, and yet the writing of the past masters gives a great deal of guidance and advice on this subject, uh, much of which is mirrored by the guidance given by today's self-protection experts. So the key concept I'd like to talk about this month is that physical techniques are of no value without training and awareness and a healthy attitude to personal safety. So I'll just kind of reiterate that. Physical techniques are of no value without training and awareness and a healthy attitude to personal safety. So if your karate training focuses solely on physical techniques for fighting, then it is not addressing the needs of self-protection. Self-protection is not the same as fighting. If we find ourselves in a fight, then several aspects of our self-protection strategy have failed. We need to be able to fight effectively if it should come to that. However, we also need to ensure that our training covers how to avoid getting involved in a fight in the first place. In the classic text, The Art of War, Sun Tzu states, Achieving victory in every battle is not absolute perfection. Neutralizing an adversary's forces without battle is absolute perfection. And that is sound advice. If we can avoid a situation completely, we completely avoid the risk of physical harm and the inevitable legal and psychological aftermath. Self-protection is not about winning fights, it's about ensuring that we come to no harm. And the best way to ensure that we come to no harm is to avoid dangerous situations altogether. Whenever we find ourselves engaged in a physical exchange, we are running the risk of serious physical harm. Now, even if we win, we're still worse off than when we started, even if it's just bruised knuckles. Um, and let's not forget, there's obviously potential uh, legal problems. Um, a close friend of mine once stumbled across a burglary taking place at uh, a property to the rear of his house. Having startled the burglars, one of them ran away and my friend ended up fighting with the other one. So my friend's very strong and managed to subdue the burglar and detain him until the police arrived. Um, so during the struggle, the burglar suffered some injuries and insisted that the police take him to hospital. Now the very next day, the burglar files an assault charge against my friend. Now the charge came to nothing, but it's still a hassle my friend could have done without. So legal repercussions are always a possibility whenever we become involved in a physical confrontation. Even if we win, and even if we're in the right. Um, so a real life fight is not like a sparring match or a schoolyard scrap. By engaging in physical confrontations, we face the risk of severe physical injury, perhaps even death. Uh, now from, with my, from within my own family and friends um, and acquaintances, there are people who have been hospitalised, people who have had ears bitten off, uh, a couple of my friends have been stabbed, uh, one with a flattened piece of copper pipe, uh, one guy lost a testicle which was crushed by a kick, and we even had one uh, family member who was killed by a single punch. Um, so there are serious consequences for getting involved in fights. And whilst most martial artists uh, will thoroughly enjoy a good fight in the dojo, a live fight outside the training hall is not my idea of fun. There's always far too much at stake and absolutely nothing to be gained. Now, obviously there are times when we have no option but to fight, but in the majority of situations, physical confrontation is avoidable if we're sufficiently aware. Uh, for karate training to address self-protection needs, awareness and personal safety need to be part of our training. Training which focuses solely on physical technique will be found wanting when it comes to effective self-protection. Um, and there's a current tendency to overemphasize physical technique when it comes to self-protection. Um, and the past masters didn't do this, they got it right. They strongly emphasized the need for constant awareness and good personal safety as a key part of karate training. So. As an example, in uh, Karate Do Kyohan, uh, Gichin Funakoshi, founder of Shotokan Karate, uh, he wrote, uh, The secret principle of martial art is not vanquishing the attacker, 
but resolving to avoid an encounter before its occurrence. To become an object of an attack is an indication that there was an opening in one's guard, and the important thing is to be on guard at all times. Uh, Funakoshi then goes on to discuss the importance of avoiding dangerous neighbourhoods and situations, and Funakoshi also states that running away and shouting for help are the best forms of self-defence. Um, so here we have one of you know, modern karate's founders emphasising awareness, avoidance and escape over physical technique. And he wasn't alone in that. In Wadaru Karate, Hironoid Zuka, the founder of Wadaru Karate, uh, he wrote, There is an old saying, leave one's yard and find seven enemies. No matter how skilled one is in the martial arts, he will find himself unprepared if encountered off guard. Ideally, then, one should be constantly in a state of preparedness. Azuka then goes on to give numerous examples of actions that will reduce the risk of attack and other physical dangers. Uh, and again we see the importance of awareness being emphasised. Uh, there are many other examples besides the two given, however we can see that constant awareness was also regarded to be a fundamental part of karate training. In much of modern training, the only mention of awareness is, is in relation to things like not dropping your guard after scoring a point or not taking your eyes off the opponent. However, awareness, or, or zanshin, is a much broader concept. Um, so zanshin refers to a constant state of readiness, awareness and alertness. If we're constantly in a state of zanshin, we'll be aware when a potentially dangerous situation begins to develop. And because we're aware of the situation, we're then in a position to evaluate the nature of that situation. And having made that evaluation, we can then take steps to avoid the situation. Or, you know, if we can't avoid it, then we're in a good position to neutralise it physically because we can tactically intervene and we won't be taken by surprise. So awareness is the foundation upon which effective self-protection is built. If you're not aware, a dangerous situation could easily take you by surprise. And by then, it will be too late to take any action. Regardless of how strong a punch you have, if you do not have awareness, you'll leave yourself wide open to attack. And in all probability, you won't even get the opportunity to use any of your techniques. It's worth remembering that most assailants don't want to fight. If they can take you out by surprise, then so much the better. Um, awareness can also prevent potentially dangerous situations from actually, um, from actually occurring. It is vital that none of your actions place you in danger or mark you out as a potential target. You need to be aware of potential risks uh, that can be caused by your actions and omissions. Uh, so to give a few you know, examples, if you withdraw a large amount of money from a cash point and then walk away whilst counting it, you may attract the attention of any prospective muggers. Um, if you keep a bag or a purse in the back seat of your car with the doors unlocked, there's a potential for someone to open your back door and take those items if you're in slow moving or stationary traffic. If you get drunk, your awareness will be very limited and therefore you're a much more attractive target. Uh, being alone or in isolated areas reduces the risk of attackers being spotted and therefore again, the more likely to attack you. If you're aware that certain actions may increase your risk of being attacked, you can ensure that you don't act in such ways and hence increase your personal safety. Another advantage of being aware is that professional criminal will generally be on the lookout for the easiest victim they can find. If you're oblivious to their activities, then you're an easy target. If it is obvious to them that you're fully switched on and therefore alert to their activities and intent, there is a strong possibility that they will leave you alone and look for an easier victim. When it comes to protecting ourselves, awareness is far more important than any fighting technique. To be constantly aware can be difficult as our minds have a tendency to wander when engaged in day-to-day -day activities. 
What we need to do is train our subconscious to act as a lookout so that when a potentially dangerous situation arises, our subconscious will alert our conscious mind to the danger. Um, one way to develop awareness is to spend a few weeks engaging in conscious internal dialogue when going about your day-to-day -day business. So what you do is keep a running mental commentary about the dangers and potential dangers as you go about your business for a little while each day. Um, so as an example, let's run through a fictitious uh, trip to the, uh, the local post office. Um, an internal commentary for that journey could be something along these lines, you know. Um, I've packed some packages to take them to the so post office. They are not valuable, but they look as if they could be. I'll pop them in a supermarket carrier bag so they look um, less likely to uh, attract attention. I'm posting them in the middle of the day so there will be plenty of people around, which will reduce the risk of my being attacked. I'm walking along the street and I see nothing of concern. Ah, a car has just pulled up in front of me and opened the passenger side door. I'll walk further in from the curb so I can't be pulled into the car if they should attempt to grab me. Up ahead there are a gang of people involved in a heated argument that look aggressive and agitated so I'll cross the street to avoid them and so on and so forth. After you've engaged in internal commentary for a little while the process will start to become internalised and you'll be much more aware of your surroundings. You'll no longer uh, actively be, uh, be aware of the process but it will still be going on regardless. Um, and it's important to, I think, to state at this point though that we're not trying to develop a, a paranoia but a healthy attitude to our own personal safety. Uh, to quote Atsuka once again, preparation of one's mind is necessary at all times, not to the extent of paranoia, but as a course of habit. Um, so it is this habit of preparation that we're trying to develop and that we want to adopt. One final thing I'd like to cover is the need to trust our instincts. Uh, sometimes we can find ourselves in a situation in which we feel uneasy, but are unable to ascertain exactly why we feel uneasy. Um, and that's worth remembering that we're evolved from a long line of individuals, all of whom have survived at least long enough to breed, so every single one of us is a thoroughbred survivor. And therefore, we have finely developed um, survival instincts when they're allowed to operate. If we find ourselves in an unnerving situation, it's important that we believe our instincts and never second-guess them. If something feels wrong, then it probably is. If a person is setting off your alarm bells, and make your excuses and get away from them. If we develop our day-to-day -day awareness and learn to listen to our instincts, we'll be able to effectively avoid the vast majority of dangerous situations. So in summary then, the physical techniques of karate are of no value without training in awareness and a healthy attitude to personal safety. The past masters encourage us to be aware at all times and therefore better uh, able to avoid dangerous situations altogether. Without adequate awareness, we will find ourselves in a situation that could have been avoided and the attacker will have the element of surprise on their time. They'll land the first blow and will be at the mercy. If we are not aware, our physical skills are rendered useless. Now, however, as we've discussed, it can be difficult to maintain a constant state of conscious awareness, so we need to develop a, sub, a kind of subconscious lookout that will alert us to any dangers. A good way to develop this subconscious lookout is through engaging in the internal commentary uh, that we discussed earlier, and then doing that on a, you know, a regular basis. You know, count that as part of your, your karate training. So if we are to practice karate as an effective self-protection system, we need to ensure that awareness and personal safety are emphasised in our training. If we concentrate solely on the physical techniques needed for a fight, and the concepts of threat awareness, threat assessment and threat avoidance are never discussed, then our training is falling well short of the mark when it comes to realistic self-defence. 
To ensure karate is an effective self-protection system, we need to practice the art as its founders intended. We need to adhere to the advice of masters like Funakoshi and Azuka, and ensure that the key principles of awareness and avoidance are strongly emphasized in training. In this way, the majority of situations can be avoided completely, and for those that can't, we're prepared and we'll be able to tactively uh, to, to intervene. We won't be taken by surprise. So, to reiterate what we said right at the very start of this podcast, physical techniques are of no value without training and awareness and a healthy attitude to personal safety. So, many thanks for listening to the uh, podcast. I hope you enjoyed it and I hope you found it useful. And as always, feedback is always welcome. Uh, I can be contacted at the usual email address, which is ian, I-A-I-N, at Ian Abernethy, uh, Abernethy being spelt A-B-E-R-N-E-T-H-Y dot com. So that's ian at ianabernethy.com. Um, so that's it for this month. If uh, I'll let you know when the next podcast is available uh, via the newsletters. Uh, if you're not already a subscriber, you can uh, obviously do that via um, the webpage at uh, com. And thanks once again for listening in, and uh, have a good month, and I'll speak to you soon. Thanks very much now. Bye-bye.